Welcome to the You Love and You Learn podcast, the place to learn about all things love, relationships, relationship anxiety, and to deconstruct the one-size-fits-all narrative of what it means to be in a happy relationship. I'm your host, Sarah Yudkin, a relationship anxiety coach who's on a mission to discuss the nuances of love and relationships that I wish someone would have shared with me years ago. My goal with each episode is for you to leave with an expanded definition of love and relationships and with practices to carry with you in your life and relationships on a day-to-day basis. I'm so grateful to have you here. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the You Love and You Learn podcast. I'm excited for today's conversation. I'm going to talk about the ick and what it means to get the ick, where it comes from, why it might be showing up, and if it's possible to move past the ick. And this idea for the podcast came up because it's something I'm talking about in my private coaching sessions. It just came up in a session this week, and I've been asked about it a lot on Instagram as well from the You Love and You Learn Instagram community. And I know that this is such a common question or experience for people who are experiencing relationship anxiety, and I wish it was talked about more. So let's talk about it. I think that the name of the ick is pretty kind of intuitive of what it means and what we assume it means. Like it, it just feels icky based on the word, like by the association, the word ick feels bad or wrong and we often judge it or label it as bad and wrong. And so today I want to talk a little bit more about that and how our interpretation of a moment of ick can really affect us and it can really throw off how we're feeling about something in a relationship. But maybe, just maybe, if we didn't label the ick as so bad or wrong in the first place, we might have a different interpretation of it. So let me first start off by elaborating on what the ick is. And I don't think there's one right definition or anything. You know, if you have your own interpretation of what the ick is, that's totally fine. It's not universal. But from my understanding and general knowledge of what the ick is and what people are saying when they say I have the ick, it's like this moment of cringiness or disgust or a moment of turnoff that you're experiencing towards somebody. And this is pretty much always, I would say, in romantic situations. I mean, maybe you can get an ick with like a friend or family member, but I've really only heard it in the context of romantic relationships or dating or whatever. And that moment can come on when someone's like doing something. If you're in the middle of kissing or having an intimate moment or if they're having like if they're doing some sort of weird habit or quirk that they have and then you feel turned off or icky or disgusted even. And that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the ick. And to be fair, I think there's varying degrees of the ick. Like, let's say you're on a first date with somebody and you get the ick. I think that's pretty different than if you're like two years into a relationship with someone and then you notice a moment of ick come up. And so I'm not here to say which one is better or worse or right or wrong. There's no such thing. I'm not here to say that if you have a moment of ick on a date that you should just push past that. No way. But I think that in a longer romantic relationship there can definitely be some different things happening when an it comes up that might be different than if you're just meeting somebody. So I want to talk about that piece uh, because for me, 
I'm speaking from my own experience being in a long-term relationship and most people that I'm coaching in private coaching, I'm speaking to them and they're in a long-term relationship. So that's just the majority of the people that I'm supporting, someone who's in a more committed relationship, but just know that there's other times that the ick could show up. So where does the ick come from? Why is the ick happening? Let's break that down a little bit. The ick is essentially a resistance of something. So when you're in the thick of relationship anxiety, it's easy to think that, oh oh my gosh, I'm getting the ick. That must mean that my partner is the problem and they are icky and this relationship is icky and I'm not attracted to them. So it just must mean I'm in the wrong relationship. That's the conclusion that we jump to in the middle of an ick most times if you're experiencing relationship anxiety, especially if you're feeling anxiety at all in a relationship or not sure if this is the right choice in partner. And that's at least what I hear most from my clients or what I've experienced personally. However, I want to expand your perspective a bit to think of the ache in a different way. And it's something that's usually happening at a subconscious level. So the ick is a resistance of something. What that something is could be different for each person, but when resistance is present, there's usually some level of fear involved. Usually resistance shows up because of some level of fear. So maybe there's a level of resisting commitment resisting settling down, resisting of going all in on this relationship because there aren't guarantees and it's risky. And what if we make the wrong choice in partner? How can we be sure 100% that this is the right relationship? These are some of the things that we might be resisting and that can lead to the ick because here's why. Here's why this level of resistance can lead to the ick because When we make somebody else icky, like our partner or someone that we're getting to know, if we make them icky, then it's a lot easier. And just know, again, this is happening at a subconscious level here. So just keep that in mind. But if somebody else is icky, it is much easier for us to leave that situation and feel more justified by saying, well, I was getting the ick, so it clearly wasn't a fit. I mean, yeah, they were the icky one. Yeah, it wouldn't, it would have never worked out. And then we kind of get that permission slip of, oh yeah, well, it was just not the right relationship anyway. So all of that said, here's where I want you to have some discernment or where I will encourage you to think about your own unique experience because only you know your situation best. So like I mentioned a little earlier, if you are on a first date and you're meeting somebody and you're getting the ick. I'm not here to say that you should just keep seeing that person no matter what. That's not the message here at all. However, on the flip side of that, if you are in a relationship with someone that you want things to work out with, keyword, keywords, I guess, if you want things to work, if you want things to work with this person, then it is a sign or at least an invitation, an invitation to just pause and get curious around what the it could be saying here. And that 
was my experience, right? I was in a serious relationship with Nate. If you haven't heard podcast episode two, check out my relationship anxiety story because I go into that more. But I was in a relationship with Nate and I knew I wanted things to work, but there were moments of it coming up or moments of doubt and confusion. And that's when the relationship anxiety really was at full swing when things started becoming more serious and I started realizing, ooh, I do really want this to work. And that's not a coincidence. And so when these moments of it can come up in our relationship, we can really, really analyze and overthink what that means. Like if I ever caught myself glancing at Nate and feeling unattracted to him, or if I was being nitpicky about certain habits that he had, like if I was hearing him slurp his coffee, or if I was sensitive to how loud he was chewing, I could get a moment of ick and be off to the races thinking, oh, well, maybe I'm not attracted to him at all, or I'm going to always have this feeling. And it was a very all or nothing type of thought when those moments of ick would pop up for me. I think there's probably different degrees of ick for some people, but for me or for someone who's listening, who's getting the ick in a committed relationship, and I can, again, only speak for myself, when I was in my committed relationship with Nate, I really do think that the it can be an invitation for us to know what's really going on and for us to explore the deeper fears or resistance that's popping up and get curious about it. For me, someone who had seen divorce a lot in my family, not just my parents, but extended family as well, and who's also hypersensitive to wanting to get things right, to do it perfectly, to make sure that I choose the right person. There's a lot of pressure there. That was a lot of pressure that I was unintentionally placing on my relationship. And when there's pressure for everything to be perfect, that can trickle into every single thing about how you're choosing somebody. And it can really be playing in the background of every single thing you're doing in the relationship, analyzing every single thing about this person and asking, does this measure up? Am I still attracted all the time? Do they still give me the butterflies? Do I love them enough? And all these questions put even more pressure on us and then put more pressure on the relationship. So then in a split second, if we're not feeling the way that we thought we should in a relationship, then it can be really, really triggering and make us jump to a lot of conclusions. And that's what's going on when the ick is showing up. That is... I think just such an important thing to understand because then if a moment of ick is showing up for us, we can at least have that insight instead of being completely caught off guard. And just know like why the ick shows up for you might be unique. Of course, it's like I said, not a universal experience. Everyone has their own preferences, stuff like that. And a reminder to always use discernment because there can be things for people where an ick might just genuinely be something that they are not okay with. Like, for example, there could be certain boundaries around hygiene that somebody has. Like, I don't know. I, I can't speak to everybody and their preferences here. I've tried to talk to my partner about their hygiene and they're not listening, whatever example. But I again, I want you to pause and think where is 
the line between perfectionism and where is the line between an actual boundary or a deal breaker because there are times when I can admit that like I'll wake up and my morning breath isn't great or I go throughout the day and maybe I had a stressful meeting and I was sweating and maybe I have some BO and I'm like, oh, like I don't, I don't feel that hygienic right now. So I think everyone, again, will have their own unique preferences here and I can't speak of what you should or should not think is icky or not, but just knowing where is the level between, okay, this thing is really bothering me and it's a pattern I'm noticing versus a level of perfectionism that our partner needs to always look and be perfect all the time. So just to quickly recap what I'm trying to say there, if you can ask yourself, am I looking at this from a place of judgment or am I trying to be open-minded about this thing about my partner? That can be a helpful question to ask when you find yourself maybe judging something that feels like an ick to you and that can be helpful so now i want to talk about is it possible to move past the ick and my belief is that it is possible to move past the ick however i think first we have to start by checking in with what are the beliefs that have led to the ick feeling more powerful and feeling bad and feeling wrong. Let me give some examples of what I'm talking about here. So if you have the belief, I should never feel a moment of ick towards my partner, or I should feel attracted to my partner at all times, or I should feel the exact same way that I did about my partner in the first few months that we were together all the time 24-7. These types of beliefs, especially if they are very rigid, that relationships have to be a certain type of way, they're not, they're not leaving space for ebbs and flows. And the more rigid or strict our beliefs are, then the more likely we're going to feel disappointed or upset or have shame if there are moments of an ick popping up. And then if we judge those moments of ick popping up as bad or wrong or this shouldn't be happening, then it becomes a vicious cycle where there's probably even more ick or more disconnection or more disgust happening in the first place. Do you see what I'm saying here? Because the more that we judge this thing as bad or wrong, the more power we give it over us. If a moment of ick pops up and then we immediately jump to conclusions like, well, this is bad, this is wrong, this shouldn't be happening, oh my gosh, then we basically become obsessed trying to get rid of it or fix it or figure it out. Whereas if the exact same moment of ick popped up and we were like, okay, this doesn't feel great, this doesn't feel comfortable, but that's okay, it doesn't mean anything. I'm just having a moment of disconnection from my partner or I'm having a moment of resistance pop up, then the moment of an ick would simply just be a moment of the ick and we would keep it moving, keep going on with our day, whatever. And I'm just gonna flat out say, I think that a lot of relationship anxiety and relationship OCD are started with just one moment of ick that we label or judge as bad or wrong and then we're off to the races. Like I know so many moments of relationship anxiety have started from a similar story based on everything that I've heard from my clients, all the messages that I get on social media. It's 
it's like in a split second, we can really go off to the races there. And I think that when we judge these moments and make it a mean make it mean that we're no longer a good fit or that they're no longer the one, then of course we're going to feel anxious about that, especially if we're in a relationship where we want things to work. So just know that if that happened to you, please don't beat yourself up for it. It's completely understandable why a moment of ick would then lead to so much anxiety or worrying about the relationship. Now, the question of, is it possible to move past the ick? And I believe absolutely the answer is yes. And that will come from not judging the moments of ick like I've shared and not over identifying with the moments of ick, not attaching to them and just letting them be a moment of ick, keeping it plain and simple. That's what it is. And another idea that came to me as I was sitting down to record this podcast was that honestly, sometimes we might have things that other people think are icky too. Like we might be giving someone the ick sometimes. And I think sometimes I kid myself by thinking like I'm the only one that gets thoughts (laughs) about Nate not being attractive all the time. Like I am sure that roles are reversed sometimes too, but those other people are just not reading as much into it. And so when I, when it comes to the ick, like I'm just laughing as I say this, it's so insanely easy to project outwardly onto somebody else that they're the problem, they're icky, like gross, gross, gross. And I laugh, but it's not funny. It's like, you know, it's a defense mechanism essentially, but it's a really good way to get rid of any sense of responsibility for how we are thinking and feeling about love and relationships and maybe some of the fears that are living within us and just put that on somebody else and make it their problem and they're the reason why I don't feel a certain type of way. So instead of constantly looking for all the ways that someone else isn't measuring up, we can instead to move through the ick, stay in our lane and really nurture and show up and support ourselves and clean up our own beliefs our judgments rather, I guess, beliefs or judgments or patterns about relationships that are causing us to be constantly scanning the horizon for somebody else's problems and constantly looking and judging outwardly to see why someone isn't perfect for us. When we can really do that, like if we can clean up our side of the street instead of looking at all the ways someone else's stuff needs to be clean, it is so, so, so powerful. That's just an extra little thing to noodle on and think about there. But just to kind of summarize everything I've been trying to say, over-identifying with an ick can make it feel bigger, worse, and wrong. And if we want to not over-identify with an ick and we want to respond to it in a more loving and kind way instead, there are three things that I have to recommend to respond to ick with a little bit more gentleness instead of over-identifying with it. The first one is neutralizing. So letting the ick just be a neutral moment. It's not good. It's not bad. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just a moment. And this will take practice. But just really reminding ourselves that like most things that happen in our relationship really don't need to be labeled as anything other than something happening in the relationship. 
Like a lot of things are neutral until we add meaning on top of them. The second thing is responding by taking a pause and coming back to the situation with a fresh set of eyes. So we can respond to an ick by really like taking a little bit of space from it and revisiting the situation with a new intention. Now, I know this might sound easy and or easier to do maybe and harder to actually easy to say hard to do. That's what I'm trying to say. But it's a really important practice to try. And I think it can be so helpful. There have been many moments where I've excused myself from a room, washed my face, run some cold water over my hands, whatever it is, come back. And I try to practice looking for something that I love and admire about Nate right in that moment especially if I was just having a moment where things felt kind of meh or I was taking him for granted. And you can look for anything here. You can look for something about that person's energy, something you're attracted to about them, just something more about like who they are as a person. It doesn't only have to be about looks. But I think that sometimes we just get bogged down by an ick. And maybe in that moment, we might just react and be like, "Ugh, well, everything about this person is gross. But usually if we intentionally shift our focus and try to see a situation with a fresh set of eyes, we can absolutely find something beautiful in this person just simply because of their humanity and just who they are. And there's some sort of reason why we've been spending time with this person, why we're with them. And hopefully there's many more reasons that we can think of, of like why this person means so much to us. And it takes practice to find these things. Brene Brown talks about how gratitude is a practice. It's not an attitude. And I'll say the same thing as just like looking for qualities of someone that you love and care about them. And just sharpening that focus of looking for these things can be huge. There's something called confirmation bias, which which is basically when we are looking to confirm our existing beliefs and we look for evidence that these beliefs are true and confirmation bias works in both ways so if we're looking to confirm that someone is icky and yucky we'll usually find evidence that that's true but also in the same breath if we are looking to confirm that someone is beautiful or attractive or radiant and we're trying to find radiant things about them or things that we admire then we'll usually often find that as well. So really just being careful of like what we are looking to confirm. What are we looking for? Because what we look for, we often find. And then lastly, the third way to respond to an ick instead of over-identifying with it is regulating, getting grounded, and connecting back to yourself. So like I mentioned earlier, the ick can be coming up because of resistance. And usually within resistance is some sort of some form of fear, excuse me. Within resistance, there is usually some form of fear. And I can't tell you exactly what that fear is because I don't know you specifically and what your deepest fears are in relationships. But some of the common fears that come up in relationships are fear of not being loved, fear of being unworthy, fear of failure, fear of not, uh, fear of not being fulfilled in your life, fear of the unknown and uncertainty, fear of loss, fear of pain. And a lot of these fears are really underneath everything we do in love and relationships because relationships and love bring up a lot of fear. 
they're risky they're so vulnerable and i wish that was talked about more often and just everyone could be a little bit kinder to themselves because relationships do bring up fear and so instead of just trying to push through a moment of ick taking some time to regulate your nervous system to breathe to go for a walk to connect with yourself whatever ways that you do that and then tend to the resistance that is coming up in that moment not just trying to bypass it but actually notice it and be there with it and be gentle and respond to it i think that that will go a lot farther than you might think it is even just taking a few moments to really connect back to yourself it can just be such a powerful exercise So that's it for today, short and sweet episode. I really wanted to talk about that because I thought it was so interesting in my private coaching session this week to talk through that and something that really resonated with my client. And so I hope it resonates with you as well. And speaking of my private coaching client, I do have a spot open for a private coaching client to begin this month in April. Uh, I just really love my private coaching clients and the experience. I love every single one of my clients, whether it's a group or someone who joins my course or webinar, whatever. I love everyone in the You Love and You Learn community. It's not about that. It's just that in the private coaching experience, we really get to go deep. We really just build such a strong relationship because we're together for over three months and we go through a client's fears, what they're resisting, what their beliefs are about love and relationships and really help them show up and navigate relationship anxiety with more confidence. We're working together for just over 12 weeks and I get to witness them as they begin to trust their own inner wisdom and really feel confident moving forward and actually believing in themselves. I read one of my old client testimonials the other day and it made me smile. She said, Sarah will be your biggest cheerleader until you learn to become your own biggest cheerleader, which you will by the end of the experience. And I thought that was so spot on because sometimes you really just need somebody else to believe in you and that you can do the thing that you already know you're so capable of doing. And you just need sometimes that extra boost and someone to honor you and let you know that you have those answers, that you can really trust yourself and that it's okay to move forward. So if you would like to apply for private coaching, I'll add the link to do so in my show notes. And thanks to everyone so much for listening. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Love and You Learn podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, the more people that can hear this message. And it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media. And the more ratings and reviews that are there, the more people that can hear this message. So thank you again so much. It really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode.